This is the SSBI podcast. This is all about Microsoft Power BI. My name is Lars Schreiber. Great to have you here, Jeffrey. Um, I really appreciate your time, especially because I can imagine you're really busy um, making the DAX language even more powerful, right? Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Lars, for inviting me to your podcast. And it's, it's really my great uh, pleasure to share my uh, experience with the community through your channel. Thanks. Amazing. I, I guess most of our listeners will be really happy about it. And I'm definitely very happy to have you here. Um, how can I imagine a normal day for you and your team um, developing the DAX language? How does a normal day of the DAX engineering team look like? Can you give us an insight? Okay. Sure. And um, well, Like any software engineering team, most of the time, software engineers will be fixing bugs, investigate customer incidents, and uh, uh, designing, uh, discussing, uh, implementing debugging software. So that's a normal day for any software engineer team. Nowadays, we have uh, this thing called a DevOps for software as a service. So many software engineers often spend a, a big percentage of their time on keeping the software service up and running. So that's norm. But for the DAX engine team, we are very lucky in the sense that we spend a bigger percentage of time on new feature development. And uh, by the way, for me, uh, the most exciting features is not directly uh, related to the size of the project. Uh, it's more about uh, the impact of the feature itself. For example, I remember uh, when we worked on the in operator in DAX, mm -hmm. uh, I use it as a training project for a newly hired engineer because it's easy to do. But when we Uh, released the feature. We didn't announce it because the UI wasn't ready. But the very next day, some user blocked about it. They just stumbled it by like accident. So it's features like this because it's such a natural way for users to use these things. You don't even need to advertise for it. So it's those kind of features I'm just really excited about when we do our daily life. So uh, come back to explain why uh, the DAX engine team get to spend uh, more of their daily life on new feature development than the average software engineer teams out there. It's for a couple of uh, lucky uh, factors. So although the AS engine team built the new tabular model from scratch, uh, we actually inherited a lot of useful technologies uh, from the beginning because our predecessor was the multi-dimensional engine. So we already have a very solid foundation to start with. And that means we started with a very good server infrastructure, a very good server API, XMLA. We have a really good client libraries for people to write like C-sharp applications easily. We have tight integrations with SQL Server Profiler, SQL Server Management Studio. We have a good engineering system, a very 
a solid test framework that can easily add a test to. We have a mature build system. We have a, a lot of internal infrastructure to make debugging easy. So we have all those kind of things to begin with. All these pre-existing features and foundations make it very easy for us to write very complex and, uh, and debug those software. So it cut down a lot of time we spend on investigating like hard box. So I remember in the early days before uh, GDPR compliance was a mandatory. So the early desktop users can just click a button to report bugs to us by emails. So I remember my team were able to fix so many bugs quickly by just reading the SQL Server Profiler trace files emailed to us. And another very important reason we get to spend more time, our daily time on the on the uh, useful stuff, in a say, uh, is uh, because uh, in a very lucky twist of fate, the initial launch of Power BI as a Power Pivot and Power View add-ins to Excel wasn't very successful in the marketplace because there were very few users who were able to lay their hands on the latest version of Excel. So yeah. although that's a really bad for business, it turned out to be a great thing for us DAX developers because there was enough real world data for us to fix most of the bugs in the product, including we had the time to do a total overhaul of the query structure. Uh, it's called a super DAX. But mm -hmm. we were able to do that without worry about much about breaking existing customers. So in software engineering, it's exponentially more expensive to improve existing features as the number of active users grow. Uh, another reason is because we didn't take many shortcuts in the past. We have uh, gained lots of valuable experience when we were building the MDX engine. It's a, a different, a completely different architecture, but it's a serv servicing the same BI customers nonetheless. So we had a, a great design for the DAX engine from the beginning. We had uh, uh, a very good sense of how features will be used in the long term. So we always spend the necessary time to finish a feature uh, in a single shot. Uh, as a result, we avoided a very common practice for software engineer teams to build a feature just enough to satisfy the immediate needs of a particular scenario in order to meet a deadline. But then they had to go back repeatedly to amend a feature for some other use cases. Uh, I already mentioned that the total cost of software development and maintenance is much lower if you can finish the feature upfront when no one is using it. And, and so you don't have to change it afterwards when you have a thousand of people who depend on a particular feature you hmm. already shipped. Uh, we are also very lucky that many managers over the years uh, have given the DAX engine team a lot of freedom to decide what to do and how to do our daily job. We have made a very good use of the trust in us by making a lot of correct strategic investments early on. And um, so our decisions back then paid a, a handsome dividends for us uh, uh, in all these years. Um, as Power BI become more popular, our 
like the, the Power BI organization has grown steadily. Many new teams are formed to build new applications on top of DAX engine. For example, we have the new visuals, we have a Q&A, we have many other AI features. But despite all these scenarios, our existing infrastructure and the features we already built into the DAX engine in the past were able to meet the, the requirements of all these new applications. Therefore, the DAX engine team were rarely distracted because of the priorities or deadlines of other teams. So all these factors I just mentioned, they contributed to making uh, the daily life of a DAX engine developer a relatively pleasant one. We get to work on hard technical problems constantly, but we're, it's very satisfying to know that the hard work we do is appreciated and actually anticipated by people around the world. So we have actually a lot of control of our own destiny on the DAX engine team to, to spend our uh, daily work in a more uh, fruitful and more productive way. Nice. Can you give an example? Maybe it's under NDA, then just don't answer and stop me. But uh, can you give an example what you're working on right now? We're still working on the direct query to analysis of services. It's in public yeah. preview. So we have already received a lot of feedbacks and we have uh, uh, some bugs we need to fix. And also we have to put the finishing time, uh, touch on the feature. So most of the team are still focusing on that. We do have some other initiatives we already uh, are undertaking to start at the brainstorming design phase. But uh, the, most of the development effort currently is still focusing on direct query to analysis services. Hmm. Um, just because we're we're at this topic right now with um, this feature, you have reached something successfully or succeeded on something that Marco Russo calls the holy grail of business intelligence. Um, so, directly over analysis services, uh, Azure analysis services, and Power BI datasets um, is something that really will make um, self-service BI, yeah bring it to another level. Um, can you explain why it was so important to um, develop this feature DQ over AS for what Power BI will be able to do in the future? I'm glad to. So the big trend in the BI industry in the past 20 years is the democratization of BI technology. It started as IT, primarily IT-sponsored BI, and now it's moving toward a self-service BI or a mixture of both. But it doesn't mean the, the traditional BI will be replaced by the self-service BI. People still like the benefits of a single version of the truth. They still enjoy a professionally developed database done by experts, centrally managed by professionals that have the correct data loaded, the correct calculation already, included in the database. They just uh, prefer the flexibility of complementing an uh, IT-sponsored authoritative database with their own data and their own customizations. So direct query over AS is the natural bridge that connects the two BI worlds together. Microsoft BI is unique because it's the I think it's the only model-centric tool out there 
while I think uh, most, most if not all of other BI tools are report centric BI tools. So what do I mean by that? So for Microsoft BI, we have this feature rich independent modeling layer. That's actually a direct result from our heritage from the OLAP past. So this architecture make it easy to build a model once and then create many reports afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it adds a lot of extra development cost to the product team and extra complexity to calculation authors. We had paid a very hefty price over the years as a result of this architecture. But the well-defined, fully independent modeling layer gives us the unique ability to easily customize an existing model or to combine multiple existing models. In other words, people can now reuse and extend existing databases. So direct query over analysis services promoted the the much acclaimed single version of the truth by compensating for the fact that it's nearly impossible to truly build a single authoritative database that can meet all the needs of every user all the time. Sure. The technology can be a big productivity boost because it enables incremental changes and risk-free experiments over existing databases. Hmm. It also encourages sharing across teams because it allows each team to retain their ownership of the of their version of the database. And another happy coincidence for us, because we talked about this feature for a long time and finally get released now, is because now we're in the uh, at the time of the cloud uh, software as a service in the cloud, and the connecting different. The, models together is a very natural thing in the cloud world. So yeah, after working on this uh, one and only model-centric reporting tool for so many years, it's really satisfying to see that we finally have a feature that uniquely fits this particular architecture. So this is a great technology for Microsoft BI customers. I can remember when this feature was released in beta, and it's still in beta, um, you wrote on LinkedIn that um, this feature was the number one request when you entered the BI team back in 2004 uh, at Microsoft. It was the number one requested feature and it was cut off um, the tasks because it was so huge that even Microsoft wasn't able to to succeed with this or they didn't want to invest into it. Can you explain t- for a non-developer who I am why it was so complicated to develop such a solution? Mm, Sure. The most important difference between a relational database and a tablet model is that the latter has measures. Yeah. When a user builds a visual using a report-centric tool, they are likely building a query that naturally maps to a single SQL query with some post-processing maybe. But when a user builds a visual for Power BI, they are building a single DAX query that is fundamentally different from a SQL query. By the way, back then it was MDX query, but it's the same idea. Mm -hmm. 
because conceptually, all measures in a single visual are calculated independent of each other. Yeah. A measure is also calculated multiple times within a visual once for each unique combination of filters. This simple conceptual model is what makes measures possible to write. Otherwise, how do you write a very complex calculation in the abstract? But when you drag and drop it onto a report, you just expect it just to work. Mm -hmm. Of course, if the DAX engine were to execute a measure in this naive fashion, the performance would be horrific for any non-trivial calculation or report. So the DAX query optimizer must perform acrobatics to consolidate all kinds of conceptually independent calculations into as fewer combined storage engine queries as possible. This is especially important for direct query models because there is a penalty of splitting a single DAX query into multiple SQL queries, and then the SQL queries has to travel over a computer network to a remote database server for execution. Despite the acrobatics I just mentioned, analogy I just mentioned, despite our best effort, when calculations where the model become complex enough, there's no way for DAX engine to uh, to do anything but to send many SQL queries to the backend. Mm -hmm. Therefore, uh, that's mainly because there's a so-called impedance mismatch between the DAX semantics and the SQL semantics. So therefore, uh, for direct query models, we often recommend the users to say, to stay simple, try to keep the model and the calculations as uh, simple as possible. Don't go over the board, like when you do uh, against the imported data. But the direct query to analysis services is a different story because both the local AS engine and the remote AS engine understand the DAX semantics. We also have a full control of the product so we can add any new capabilities as necessary so that we can express arbitrarily complex DAX calculations into a single remote DAX query. Users also was expecting different, uh, different behavior when they are connecting to another AS model because they would expect the same full set of features they always enjoyed as if the data were imported locally. Mm -hmm. So all these reasons means that we cannot simply reuse the existing direct query infrastructure we have built for relational databases. So we first have to add support for remote measures, a concept that's unique to tabular models. But that's just a start. When you can support sending a measure, a remote measure to a remote database, we also have to analyze arbitrarily complex calculations to identify key building blocks in order to translate them into a single DAX query that can be executed efficiently on the remote AS server. So in a nutshell, unlike direct query to relational databases, where users have to compromise between keeping the calculations and the models simple or accepting slower performance, we can do 
and we have done a lot more work for direct query to analysis services in order to support both feature-rich calculations and modeling, as well as a good performance. But uh, as your question, why our competitors are unlikely to replicate this feature is because, uh, as far as I know, Power BI, Microsoft BI is the primary model-centric reporting tool. That basically, this technology is primarily built for the model-centric reporting tool. I guess I should only ask questions when uh, when I can digest the answer. But <laughs> I, I I think I got your point. Uh, it's definitely more complex than I thought. Um, when when someone with your background says uh, it takes several years to implement such a feature, um, it, it's just necessary for me to ask these questions because it's it's beyond my imagination why it can last so long. Oh, so, so it's, it sounds like I still make my answers more technical than it needs to be, and uh, so yeah. Uh, so fundamentally, I think uh, is there any simpler way to put it? So the 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 the, I would say the simplest way to say it is because uh, the performance work requirement for this particular feature. That's the key reason. Yeah. So okay. we need to simplify uh, the th the. We need to minimize the round trips between the two S servers, and we also need to make sure that uh, whatever we send to the remote server can be executed fast. While we don't have this. Uh, uh, ability to do it against the relational databases because we can't change them. Relational database is not owned by us. So we can only generate queries that uh, matches whatever they can do. But unfortunately, DAX is just a, different from a relational database. And there's no, uh, when, so when, you, but the user can still enjoy to do whatever they do. So when they do certain things to a certain extent, we can no longer translate that easily into efficient and fast SQL queries. But we can always, in theory, we can always do it against a remote S server. This is why we have to spend a lot more time developing this feature. Thanks for the yeah easier explanation even for me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, because we, we talked about um, 2004 and your start at the um, analysis services team, multidimensional MDX back then, um, yeah. when did the idea that something like tabular models in um, AS are necessary, when, when did this come up? The decision to move away from a multidimensional model and the MDX programming language toward a tabular model and the DAX programming language, what happened around uh, uh, 2002, I think. And uh, no, 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 I'm sorry, not 2002, and 2010. And it's a project called uh, Crescent. At that time, uh, our OLAP business was doing exceedingly well. Our main independent competitors were all acquired around the same time in the previous years. I remember it was a Cognos by IBM, Business Objects by SAP, Hyperion by Oracle. So when Amir Nets announced that we would build a new engine from scratch, that would serve as Microsoft's primary BI engine for the next 10 years. A lot of us was uh, caught by uh, surprise. We were skeptical, skeptical about the claim. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So when actually when the decision was made public, it upset a lot of customers and partners. I remember Chris Webb lamented the decision in one of his BI blog posts. But Amir and the leadership team saw the early indication of the self-service BI tsunami. So tsunami. they warned us. <laughs> yeah. So they warned us that if we didn't reinvent ourselves to catch the trend, we'll be rendered obsolete by the then small competitors like a ClickTech or Tableau. So uh, uh, as for uh, how we get started, I believe the leadership team had debated between getting an existing solution through acquisition hmm. or building one in-house. So after some uh, back and forth, I believe eventually the decision was to build one from ground up internally. So our team get started first on the VertiPack engine and the DAX engine. Uh, so that's how this whole thing started. Have both engines um, been developed side by side or one after the other? Uh, the VertiPack engine and the DAX engine uh, were developed side by side. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, afterwards, we did a lot more enhancement. The model and the modeling engine originally have we have to have a tight integration with the multi-dimensional modeling engine because we want Excel to be able to connect to the new Tableau engine as is without any changes, and Excel only understand multi-dimensional modeling concepts. So, so the modeling engine we call it the TM engine. TM engine. Uh, was uh, uh, went through a major redesign afterwards. But the VertiPack engine, which is the lower layer, and the DAX engine, which is the upper layer, uh, started at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, you said that Amir came with the idea of, of self-servers and that you need another engine, um, the VertiPack engine. When you decided to create DAX as a new language, which requirements did you have back then? How it should be different than MDX, but how different? Yeah, that's a very good question. So the SSAS OLAP engine had a ton of features when we started on the new tablet model. Users can define calculations in many different ways using MDX. So they can create calculated members, calculated cells, unary operators, customer rollups. So the varieties of calculations uh, that's available to the MDX users make it very convenient to implement all kinds of business logic for different applications, like financial reports, budgeting, planning, all these different uh, applications. There are things uh, which are very easy in MDX, but it's still hard to do even in DAX today. Despite all this power I just mentioned, there's one big problem that uh, this technology were not suited for the mass. And there are two primary reasons for it. For a person who is new to multidimensional and MDX, they must first learn a set of concepts before they can understand how to use the technology or the programming language. So the The, the students of MDX need to know things like uh, what is a cube, subcube, dimension, dimension usage, attribute, member, 
hierarchy measure. So there's a, a big list of concepts that will scare away the vast majority of business analysts. But all the people I just mentioned have no problem using Excel. Many of them are quite fluent in basic SQL, if not advanced SQL. So we want the new type of model and the DAX to be based on concepts which are already familiar to those people. Tables, columns, and the relationships between tables. So that's one big reason. Another big reason is uh, the multi-dimensional modeling engine was built to support a very rigid enterprise workflow. So users must first define dimensions, attributes, and the basic measures upfront before data is loaded. Mm -hmm. they, you cannot add a column to a report to sum its values unless you have already defined a sum measure on that column in the first step. So this waterfall style of a workflow makes the OLAP engine unsuitable for self-service BI customers who want to build their models incrementally and iteratively. Those users who want to build a model, play with the data, create a report all at the same time in an interactive fashion. So we want to build the new engine to easily support incremental changes to the model after its initial creation. Okay, that's so interesting. The above two reasons are the two most important considerations. But in addition to those two, we also want to design a new modeling engine, a new language to address many of the primary customer pain points we had learned in the previous years. For example, in MDX, not only must a user plan ahead for all the basic measures, even if they do, they can only create a single distinct, distinct count measure per table. So for the new engine, obviously, we want the users to create as many like a min, max, sum, count, distinct count measures as they want mm. over any, any columns afterwards. In MDX, creating a many-to-many -many relationship is a big deal. So if you want a filter to flow from a dimension table to a, another dimension table or from a fact table to a dimension table, it's a very hard thing to do. For the new engine, we wanted that to be easy. So nowadays, you can just turn on bi-directional cross-filtering on a relationship. Some people even complain we make it too easy. <laughs> I guess I know some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in MDX, there's no such a thing as calculated columns or calculated tables. There's something called a local cubes that is not truly very practical uh, in the real world applications. So for the new engine, we want to give the user the flexibility to enrich their model with calculated columns and calculated tables. And uh, with the recent uh, uh, preview of uh, uh, direct query to analysis services, you can even create new columns and new tables at a query time. So, so now we have a lot more flexibility to the users. MDX only has a filter context. So iterator functions can be very hard to understand for beginners. So for the DAX, we want to introduce, uh, in addition to keep the filter context, we want to add a row context so that it's much easier to write some basic calculations when you loop through the rows of a table. Another like a very big pain point for the MDX users is that it's very hard for them to understand 
a performance problem. Because MDX engine has two modes of execution. One is called cell-by-cell -cell mode. The other one is called the block mode. This distinction was not by design. It's actually the result of the evolution of the product. So when the MDX calculation, calculation engine was originally written, it's in cell-by-cell -cell mode only. The block mode was an afterthought. Therefore, it's not implemented in a systematic fashion. As a result of that, a small change to an MDX formula may cause the engine to switch execution mode. That resulted in a very big difference in performance. But from the user's perspective, there's no logic that can explain the big difference because it actually only depends on whether or not we have an engineer implemented the block mode for a particular sub-expression in a particular context. So for the DAX engine, we definitely want the, the block mode to be the only mode for almost all of the DAX functions, and we have a systematic way. This way, when you do have a performance issue in DAX, you have a logical explanation. For example, it's because of you have a nasty iteration over a large number of rows. And last but not least, uh, uh, one of the key considerations uh, uh, before we started on the DAX engine design is uh, we want to make sure that uh, uh, certain basic functions that are missing from DAX uh, are there in the DAX from day one. For example, MDX only has the DAX equivalent of a selected value function, but there's no equivalent for the DAX values function. So imagine you try to write a calculation based on a filtered data, a filtered column, but the column must be filtered down to a single value or you are out of luck. So, so, so yeah, when we design DAX, we absolutely want to make sure that we start from the general case, which is uh, after the filter, you have multiple values left instead of uh, only the special case, which is a single value selection. So those are some of the uh, additional considerations uh, we had uh, before we started on the new DAX language. And I see it's always necessary to, to know about the evolution. I don't know anything about MDX, and I am from time to time complaining about the complexity of DAX. And I know Marco Russo, who says, if you find DAX complex, um, MDX is at least one order of magnitude more complex than DAX. So, and yeah, you have to know where, where, we, where you came from uh, to appreciate the evolution and uh, the, yeah, the success of the new solution. I agree with Marco Russo myself, but I understand that there are still debates and even nowadays on Twitter about uh, which language is better and easier. So I don't want to jump into the pool <laughs> <laughs> in that debate, but uh, we did try uh, uh, we did try to make the new language a big improvement over certain many big pain points over MDX. Yeah, and it sounds like you were successful. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. Um, one thing I, I noticed when I was going through your C, uh, CV on, on LinkedIn, I saw that, um, of course, you have been in, in the development team and the engineering team for the DAX language. This is why you got this nickname, Father of DAX, that uh, you see in the community from time to time. Um, and I know that you and a, and a bunch of other people, uh, one of them has been Army Nets, were uh, part of this development team. And I was surprised 
that you own the patents on the DAX language. And this is something um, I was curious about because I thought or I would have expected that to belong to Microsoft. How does that work? First of all, uh, that patent has uh, multiple authors. I'm one of the inventors. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, Microsoft owns the actual intellectual properties of all the patents filed by Microsoft employees. But the inventors uh, get recognized by having their names on the patents and also get some uh, monetary rewards. Ah, and I thought every time I write a calculate statement, you get one (laughs) dollar. I wish I, I wish I did. <laughs> That's great. That would be great. And uh, in the cloud, I even know you did it, so I can go after you. <laughs> cool. But but because you say you you have just been one of them, I, I guess um, the guys who who build it were um, Howard Dickerman, Marius Dumitru, um, Akshay Mishandani. I don't know if I spell the name correctly. Armin Nets, Paul Sanders, and you, right? Yes, yes. So yeah, you got, I think you got it right. So many fathers, but no mother of ducks. Uh, well, I, in, in, in today's world, I don't want to go that way. <laughs> This question has been asked by one of the uh, uh, female uh, engineers uh, that used to work on the Power BI. So when people announce, every time they jokingly announce, oh, this is the father of ducks, which is obviously an exaggeration. And she actually ask this question, how come there's no mother of Dax? So I dare not to go that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, was just a try. Uh, okay, but then, then I uh, totally understand how uh, this patents thing works, of course. Mm. Not only because they are pretty famous in the community and both already have been guests on my podcast, but uh, just out of curiosity, even though Dax is much simpler than MDX, It's not simple. So I, I see a lot of people struggling with dealing with the concepts and uh, seeing that uh, some functions are syntax sugar for internal calculates, which have um, implications. Um, what do you think the Power BI index adaption would look like today without this fantastic work by our Italian friends, Marco and Alberto? Well, um, I, I have to say the impact of the work of Marco and Alberto to the Power BI community cannot be overstated. They had been great partners for Microsoft BI for a very long time, and they stayed with the product during its most difficult times. And they invested heavily into studying how tablet models and DAX work when the technology was immature and unpopular. They, they have a very strong work ethic. I worked with them for many, many years. We, I met them many times. And I, I remember they always validate and double check all the DAX patterns they recommend to the community. They not only come up with the patterns, they also make sure that, that they understand why the pattern is optimal by learning how DAX engine executes the pattern under the hood. So whenever in doubt, they always reach out to the product team to seek answers to their questions. They always, when they come to us, they always come up with simplified and elegant examples. So I have to say their popularity in the Power BI community is hard-earned and well-deserved. 
But of course, in addition to Marco and Alberto, I also want to say thank you to all the hardworking MVPs and other influencers like you who have made a tremendous contributions to the community by sharing the knowledge, uh, spreading the experience. Uh, without all people like uh, the MVPs, Marco, Alberto, you, and all the people out there, Power BI cannot be nearly as successful as it is today. Um, I. I had the, but by the way, th thank you <laughs> uh, for for thanking us. Um, I don't know how to say it differently, but uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Um, I, I remember talking to uh, Marco that when I got their first book about Power BI, which was for Power Pivot 2010, uh, me as someone who comes from the Excel side of life, I'm, I'm a business guy no, with no technical background um, back then, I simply did not understand what they were talking about. Yeah, I, I read that book, but I didn't understand what a data model should be and what what a measure is and what's the benefit of it. And then I um, read a book by Rob Colley, who who you might know maybe from back from the yeah, days when he yeah, was I'm, at Microsoft. I'm familiar with him. Yeah, great. And it took me a while to be ready for their content because they they write a bit for the technical user. Uh, but without them and without the good books by Rob Colley, there would be no way that I would have ever learned what Power BI is about. And I guess I speak for many, many other business users um, who wouldn't have a clue what DAX is about and what the engine behind is. So I can only say um, the work they do is, is amazing and their reputation is well earned. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I do know uh, Rob Colley. He was on the Power BI team when it uh, started. Yeah. So I actually worked with him for many years. I, I, I truly appreciate that Mark Colley is uh, uh, also uh, preaching Power BI from very early on and use it from a different angle. Mark Russo from, uh, and Alberto from one uh, perspective and, uh, uh, and Rob Colley did a lot of job trying to spread it out to Excel users because he also himself is an expert in Excel. Excel. And he originally uh, built some of the most sophisticated DAX calculations uh, in his when he started his own company. And that helped us uh, uh, fetch out a lot of uh, uh, deep hidden bugs that only happens at that scale and complexity. So yeah, Rob Colley absolutely uh, 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 also deserved the reputation he earned in the community. Absolutely. Yeah, for, for sure. But those guys we, we talked about were not the only ones who, who published their knowledge uh, through, through books or blog posts. Um, you have your own blog. Um, you have two blogs. The um, MDX DAX blog uh, on, on Blogspot and your Power BI DAX on, on WordPress. Um, the articles you wrote back in the days, I think um, on your MDX DAX blog, last entry was on 2000. 13, I guess, or 2014, I'm not sure, um, are, are pretty complex, are pretty uh, uh, compact, but there's everything in you need to know, or a lot of you need to know about the DAX language. Uh, will we see you blogging again in near future? I wrote uh, some blog posts in the early days of Power BI when the product was not popular and uh, there was limited knowledge about how tabular model and the DAX work, even among committed users. Things have changed a lot since those days. 
Now there are many dedicated community leaders who continuously produce high quality contents about DAX in blog posts, YouTube videos, and other formats. So it seems to me there is even an informal competition among some dedicated users <laughs> on who gets to write or talk about a new DAX feature first. Since uh, creating DAX contents for the public consumption takes uh, a lot of time yeah. uh, that I no longer have, it's best for me to just let the many Power BI enthusiasts to take over spreading the knowledge to the community. So your early uh, contributions were like a kickstart for the community and now you're uh, leaving it to, to those guys. Uh, yeah, you can say so, yeah. Yeah, completely understood. Um, as we talked about DQ over AS was such a huge project. And I guess not all of your projects are that big. Um, can you tell us something about your next bigger project on your team or is it under NDA? First of all, again, Direct query to analysis services is not done yeah. yet. So yeah. we are still working on it. So that's actually consumes most of the energy of the team at this moment. Um, we have plenty of work planned to keep us busy. Uh, that being said, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think it hurts to talk about uh, some of the things uh, we are uh, considering because uh, it's out there in the ideas.powerbi.com. People are talking about, people are aware of some of the ideas. And uh, so one of the future work items that I personally uh, am very passionate about is uh, something um, to complement the current uh, measure-only calculation model. So we want to evolve it to a model of uh, mixed measures and the visual calculations. Mm -hmm. Today, one of the most frustrating experience to DAX writers is to define calculations that should be very straightforward by the look of it, but surprisingly hard in reality. One common theme to all those so-called hard calculations is to define calculations over values across multiple rows or data points on a visual. Yeah. For example, what if I want to calculate a running sum, a moving average, some rankings, or some like between row differences of values that I can already see on the report. Mm -hmm. So all such calculations look like they should be easy, especially considering I already have the numbers in, in front of me, right? So I just want to add some additional calculations over those numbers. But unfortunately, such calculations are deceptively hard today because I just mentioned all DAX measures are independent of each other. Mm -hmm. So when you define a new measure to perform the new calculation you need, it's completely oblivious of the results produced by other measures in the same report. So in my opinion, it would be a natural evolution of Power BI to introduce a new style of calculation that's defined directly over the values already on a report. Such calculations are clearly report dependent, so they are not as reusable as measures are, but they will be very easy and intuitive to write 
and it has the added benefit of uh, it, they can improve performance by calculating over data that's already available locally. There's no need to go back to potentially very slow data source again to, uh, to fetch the values and to, to recalculate some of the measures. So this is just something big and challenging we're talking about. Of course, there's no concrete plan or timeline yet. Uh, I guess that's a, that's an idea that uh, Marco Russo published, right? Yes. I, I can yes, remember a long yes. article they had on, on SQL BI about this and what's the advantage, but what's the hurdles and yeah. Yeah, so yeah. So as uh, uh, working on the DAX engine team for all these years, I personally think uh, uh, we need to do something beyond the measures only calculation. I guess there are many um, yeah, business users out there and, and for all the professionals, it would be um, just making the, the whole job easier. Um, sounds great. Yeah, I hope so. But I guess it would be very complex to implement such a change in the calculation, right? So is uh, it also a yes, several I year project? Uh, I would uh, assume so, mainly because it's... Bit for this kind of a new type of calculations to uh, to to be easy to access, it would be very natural to be able to define them just like in Excel using UI gestures. Hmm. So it's not just only some new DAX functions, some engine work. Uh, it requires the end-to-end -end design of the entire user experience. So UI need to be involved uh, and uh, some visual layer. Uh, this is obviously something that is, does not exist yet in the visualization layer. So it's the uh, entire end-to-end -end work that would take, definitely take some time. I don't know exactly how long, but yeah. uh, it's, 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 it's one of the bigger projects yeah. in front of us. Can imagine. Thanks for this quick look into the future. <laughs> Hopefully, it will become a future. Yes, reality. Great. Um, yeah. Thank. Thanks a lot. It was an amazing um, overview over the not only the history but also also the future of this um, amazing product. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure many people with more IT background and uh, you, you mentioned Chris Webb with uh, uh, his MDX knowledge. Many people will. Um, Yeah, be be happy about your explanation how it went from MDX to to DAX and what the the hurdles were, um, me included. Uh, th thanks for your time and your patience explaining all this stuff, and um, yeah, I hope to see you one day um, in the future again. It's really my great pleasure to have this conversation with you today. Thanks for uh, for inviting me and uh, thanks for giving me your platform to share with the community. My pleasure. Bye. Bye.